Welcome back everyone to another Sporting Vlog podcast. Um, we're recording this on a Friday afternoon in London. It's still pretty fucking hot and um, here doesn't look like it's locked down as much as where the Sporting Vlog normally does. It's recordings from people are out in the park having quite a nice time. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening to the last episode where we spoke to Imi about um, media in sport and a career as a presenter in various sports and she was a very good sport and um, I thought was uh, quite insightful but I think today we're going to change it up a little bit and go back to our our roots in more ways than one. Um, today we're speaking to Mike Harley who is an old friend of the blog and indeed me uh, going back some many years and um, is someone I wanted to talk to for a while, um, re-business and sport. Um, I'm going to let him introduce himself in a minute and what he does, but suffice to say, is someone who has a very, or has had rather, a very direct uh, experience with the COVID lockdown and how it's affected his businesses. And I think that it's easy for people to get lost sometimes and think that it's uh, only very, very small businesses affected or very, very large businesses that are having to furlough people and all of this, but uh, outside of hospitality, there are other sectors that have probably been the main victims of all of this thing. And um, so we're going to look at the fitness business today, uh, specifically uh, the branch of fitness that Mike's into. So afternoon, Michael. Hi. Um, why don't you just tell everyone what you do so I don't get it wrong? Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Ollie, and thank you for having me. So I do a couple of things. So I'm a part owner of um, a couple of F45 franchises. Um, so F45 is an original Australian fitness concept. Uh, it's focused on uh, team training and uh, high intensity um, interval training classes, mixture of cardio um, and resistance. Um, basically, I set it up because um, I love uh, I love fitness. I always have. It's always made a big difference to my life. Um, and I wanted to spread the benefits of health and fitness, physical and mental, to as many people as possible. And what, um, for the uninitiated, I mean, if you live in London, you would have seen the F45 brand around uh, a fair bit, especially in kind of commuter hubs or areas where there are big office blocks and that sort of thing. What's the attraction of an F45? Well, first off, what's the attraction for the gym goer or the potential gym goer of F45 over their normal Jim. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's three things, right? Firstly, it's it's results. Um, HIIT training, for those of you who haven't done it, it is, is just the most effective, uh, especially in terms of time commitment, way to get in good shape. Um, you know, as actually a, a doing decades of running myself and really hadn't done an awful lot of HIIT, I was blown away by how I could do a lot less training and still even get fitter. And you just kind of think, well, those hours I wasted, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's secondly. I think uh, secondly, it's the mental health benefits. You know, doing a hit class first thing in the morning, you are you go to work with a just a spring in your step and and a really really great mindset. And I sometimes think the mental benefits are probably as big, if not bigger, than the um, physical benefits. So one of the things that I guess um, you know, not not getting off off topic, but one of the things that a lot of people find off-putting about the traditional gym, you know, especially going alone, is the is the fact that when you walk through the door, you know, it's they're not always the most friendly, and the people that are grouped around together are either kind of hogging the benches or doing their kind of thing. Um, does the group aspect of of the F forty five model it, would you say it's the time or the group side of it that's kind of the bigger pull for people yeah so so um so that was my that was the third benefit um i was i was going to come on to is it's definitely the community community aspect so we always say you know we're not a gym we're a community uh, and i think that's that's absolutely true you know we have a whatsapp group of guys like you know 70 odd guys on it chassis all day totally set up by them and there's so many friendships that that have been created just because if you're there you know, kind of sweating, you know, feeling like you're practically dying in a workout. It's a very bonding experience. And I think, um, again, there's another benefit. I sometimes think we're sort of semi, you know, semi kind of cure for loneliness. Um, yeah, definitely. And, and we try to create an atmosphere which is very, very welcoming and very, very accessible. So it doesn't matter how fit you are. 
um, what shape you are, what level of fitness you are. Everyone is welcome. And I think, um, you know, I've, I never really liked gyms myself, especially the sort of more competitive, you know, grunting, top-off male element you see in a lot of gyms. You know, it's just, it's, just, it's horrendous. Yeah, we're, ki- we're king of that, that domain. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. So I, d- I just didn't really like that. So, you know, we have a little expression, um, uh, F45, um, no mirrors, no ego. Uh, and, and I, you know, I like that, right? So there's no mirrors at all. So you can't look at yourself. You can't even think about your, yeah. your own physique. And then no ego. No ego means, you know, you have to be a team player. And that, that goes for our staff as well as the members. You have to cooperate with the other team members and sort of get a bit of a buzz out of that. And it, and if, if you don't want that, it's probably not for you. And I'm very happy to, yeah, some, sometimes that happens, right? You just so, say. yeah, it, on that note, so who is, I mean, you know, there are profiles of people that do different exercises and have different kind of things they're into who who's an f45 member what's their what's their profile if there is one oh it's really it's really hard to do right so maybe let me take a couple of likely profiles um you know i think um and it depends on different studios i own a couple one in central london one out of london and the profiles are a little, a little different um i'd say we have you know a lot of people who do our eight week challenge um who are people that for one reason or another have just slipped off they're kind of a healthy way of living um, uh, or they've they've maybe gone through you know some personal issues sometimes they've they've had kids and they've just fallen off the wagon a little bit for a period of years and they want to get back in um, you know that's challenge is really really popular it's really successful we had someone lose 25 kilos of body fat in eight weeks um, <laughs> yeah it is you know it, it just works so so we see a lot of people and, and the aim here it's not a crash diet right it's aimed to get people back into a sustainably healthy um, fitness and health cycle and if that means they graduate away from us and do something else fantastic we've done our job right so there's that but we there is also a sort of more competitive element you know people that just love fitness they love the buzz from that kind of high you get from really working hard we've got a couple of ex-professional rugby players with us you know it's often people who are were very sporty and just don't get the chance to do organized sport anymore they're too busy in their lives but they still want that buzz of working out hard with other people in a team environment. So it's it's the motivator, right? I mean, the, the motivation, especially for, you know, as we've coined them, ex-athletes, people who used to play an awful lot of something, uh, the gym doesn't always cut it. I mean, there are a number of ex-players who go into bodybuilding or triathlon or something because they need something else to do. But the day-to-day gym, I don't know if it delivers it. So... You know, to me, it sounds like that sort of environment where you're welcome to just set your bar as high as you want, uh, sort of thing, rather than you know trying to. Specific, not everyone's reaching exactly the same goal, right? No, exactly. And, and we so the way it works, if you haven't done one, is it's a circuit session. There's always two, three, four, sometimes five people on each station, um, and we never put people the same standard together. Uh, I mean, sometimes we might do here and there, but. You know, you can have people totally different standard because the account. A lot of this is about accountability, yeah. And it's not accountability in terms necessarily a competitive. It's just if you see the person on your right trying as hard as they possibly can, you don't actually know. Need to know how much they're lifting or how many reps they've done. You can just it's just written all over them, and that just pushes you to work out as hard as you can as well. And I love that actually when we've got we have an ex professional rugby player, it's a massive guy. You know, next to someone who's a real novice and they high five at the end well they used to not not currently obviously um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a virtual high five virtual right, or an elbow yeah. tap yeah. and they um you know they get a great buzz out of it despite being totally different ends of the fitness spectrum i love that that's that's yeah that makes me happy well that's great because that you know for me that almost sounds like the kind of mythical place where fitness slash exercise transcends into sport and there's that kind of middle ground that people don't really get to unless it's an individual fitness thing. So, um, okay, that kind of puts everything into perspective. Um, you mentioned there you've got a couple of studios, one in central London and one outside. So we're going to get onto the thing, obviously, the uh, the elephant in the room wearing a mask. Hmm. Yeah. Um, clearly, one of the first things to close down uh, during the lockdown, uh, recent lockdown, again, for anyone listening, either many months ahead of this, we're just coming out of a COVID lockdown, uh, pubs, clubs, gyms, uh, and of course, facilities like yours. Can you 
tell us just like basically from a procedure point of view, did you just suddenly realize one day this was going to be an issue or like many others, did you think, like I say personally, that like I was in Cape Town in February at a conference with seven or 800 people and we're all kind of blissfully thinking that this thing was something that was happening in China and it was only really when we got back and then coming into early March did we realize how serious it was going to be. How, how did it, well, when did it like dawn on you, if you like, that your business was going to be right in the firing line of this? Yeah, so I think because F45 is a global business, we probably got a reasonably early wind of it. Um, that it's actually F45 is huge, is huge in Asia. So we'd already heard a lot about the, the Singapore, Hong Kong studios shutting down pretty early. Um, there's a Facebook group of all the owners. And we kind of we saw this happening and, you know, it, it, you kind of watch it in slow motion knowing it's going to hit you. Um, obviously, we did our best, as I'm sure every every studio did, to to change the workouts to make sure that everything was immaculately cleaned and as safe as possible. But but yeah, we knew the lockdown was happening, and yeah, and, and so it did. And on the you know when everyone kind of started getting official advice to to close, you know, what did you? What was your initial thought process? Was it? Was it kind of like, well, how are we going to keep going? Or were your members coming to you saying, what are we going to do? Did you, can you see it from both sides as it were? Or did you just see, oh shit, this, this is going to have us closed down and we're not going to open for months sort of thing? Yeah, it was, it was a really tricky one um, because you can imagine we had, we felt this societal kind of pressure to shut down and do our duty for the, for you know, to everyone, look after our staff. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, spoke to the staff. Staff wanted to carry on. We had members that wanted to carry on. So we just, we carried on as, as much as we could. Um, and, you know, people were begging us to stay open. Uh, so it was really hard to, to eventually shut down. But then we really wanted to, you know, just keep keep offering what, what we do. You know, we have a, a religious sort of community, really, who, you know, every Monday, every morning, they need their F45 workout. And to leave them kind of bereft of that, having been used to it for six months or a year or maybe longer, didn't feel good. So we, yeah, we pivoted pretty quickly to outdoor boot camps and then very quickly again to Zoom live classes. And, um, you know, that's been actually a, an interesting journey. You know, starting up effectively two brand new businesses in the, in the, <laughs> in the last three months from scratch. And actually have proved very popular. We've grown our membership every week um, we just hit our high, highest revenue last week, um, despite the kind of heat. So it, you know, it just shows, um, you know, people adapt. I'm really glad we put a lot of effort into it, and um, you know, it's, it's paid off. And actually, we'll probably get onto it, but I, I actually think it's here to stay. I don't think we'll ever shut down our live Zoom classes. Yeah, we were touching on that before we started recording. Um, how perhaps before um, gyms and places of that ilk or kind of exercise temples that's where you went to do your exercise and you know at home was was still home and yeah I'm sure plenty of people do work out at home but uh, the well thank god for YouTube and Zoom and all of these other things but you know we've noticed it ourselves the the need to go to the gym to do this work is not you know it, it, it's not the same as it was because we've, we've had no alternative but so you know in your own opinion uh, slash with a bit of research you think that this way of life might be here to stay I think so I mean it, it's a bit of a cliche now isn't it to say that uh, we won't be going back to the to the old normal um, but I think recently we've really seen some proper hard evidence of this so we just ran a big survey across both studios um, it, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, it didn't make great, great, great reading as a business owner in the fitness world, but it just proved that we've just got to continue to be relevant and adaptable. So I think the interesting thing was that we had 85% of our members saying that they will now work from home uh, a lot more in the future. So again, everyone knows it's going to be more, but 85% was probably a little higher than I was thinking. Well, just for context, though, it, that's an important factor for you because unlike a gym maybe out in the middle of nowhere, your main central London gym is at Vauxhall, which is a main major commuter right, hub. Right, commuter hub. Exactly. So actually, we, we, you know, we have people that actually come in on the train from Surrey, from uh, kind of Wandsworth, um, Clapham, you know, all, all sort of southwest London. So that's a bit of an issue for us. But they, they also, and, they, and then out of those, yeah, 30, 
Yeah, pretty much 33% of those say they want to continue attending Zoom classes, um, you know, forever, essentially, or, you know, as well as maybe come to the studio now and then. I was going to say, do those members and, you know, without getting into the full membership structure and profile and all that, do you think those members are going to be happy with their their Zoom life more and, you know, and such are they going to turn around and say, are our fees going to stay this high because if you're not using, if I'm not using the studio and I'm a home person, I mean, I, I know this is probably an impossible question to answer, right? Because uh, there's going to be a lot of people from Instagram and everything else offering free Zooms and signed up Zooms and, you know, Zoom subscriptions and whatnot. Is this something that you're just going to have to sort of see how the land lay, lies or have you had feedback from people saying, look, we're just not going to pay as much? Yeah, we'll, we'll have to adapt. I mean, our, our members have been have been fantastic. I mean, we, we took the decision as a studio to suspend everyone's memberships without the masking tool on the day of shutdown. We felt that was the right thing to do. Um, you know, we're a, we're a community, we're kind of a family and I, I that's what I would want my gym to treat, how to treat me. So we did that. Some of them have been very generous um, contributing to our kind of staff welfare fund. Some of our trainers have been left with, you know, with kind of very little. The self-employed scheme hasn't helped them out, unfortunately. Um, so they've been really supportive. And I think we just, you know, we just need to to keep that sort of sense of family going. And I think that will mean in the future have, just having different packages for different options. And yeah, of course, like we need to make sure the business still works. But I think there's we'll probably just have multiple models in the way that before we really just had one. Yeah. I think that's, that, that, that's, just the, that's just the new reality. But funny enough, you know, trainers don't mind it. I mean, in some ways, you know, running them from home, it's sometimes easier. It's actually cheaper for them. Uh, so th- you can kind of see how, I, I can, I'm, I'm an optimist anyway, but I can see how this can work. We'll just need to find our way. How, how do you feel though, looking at, you know, a, a building that you've obviously spent money on because you know no not many buildings like like yours um, if people aren't aware of where the f45 at Vauxhall is it's an old archway so you know it wasn't ever designed to be an, an exercise studio so there must have been a fair amount of of bank put into to making that what it is uh, I mean as you said people are still keen to go back but do you ever think it would be the time where actually you can go fully online with the model or does the model require a home base so I can just give you our experience here. So I think what, we, what we've seen is that um, our existing members who are already part of our community have loved the Zoom and they've, they've kept doing it because they, they know everyone else on the screen and they love, they, they still get that social interaction. They know the trainers. There's that personal connection. What we've not been able to do particularly well, apart from a few cases, is get brand new people in the studio and make them feel part of the community through a virtual workout um, model. And I just think that's inherently hard to that's, do. That's tough. Uh, yeah, I think we're all struggling with that, right? How to keep good or, and maintain and create good relationships virtually is really, really hard. So I still think the studio is essential to, 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 to making feel people part or introducing them at least to that feeling of family and community and understanding the model. Um, and then the, the, yeah, what actually, I mean, so Voxel's a very transient place. Uh, inevitably a lot of young people live there and then tend to, to move out or come from abroad and move out the, the opportunity for us in a way is actually well we might keep these people when they move away mm-hmm. right and we've seen that actually as we had this the guy I was speaking about earlier um, Paolo Var who who won the, the F45 global challenge it's a global competition um, lost 25 kilos in eight weeks he moved to Liverpool very soon after he'd done that we were gutted to lose him He's now been doing the live classes with us literally every day since we started. Whereas, and you know, that was just so lovely to have a studio legend uh, <laughs> sort of come back to us like that. And so, you know, that's uh, you got to look at the positives. And I think there's there's an opportunity to have a different type of community in the future. Yeah, um, I tend to agree with you, and I think the experience of other sports has shown has shown this too. Uh, I think in in games like tennis paddle and things like that um it's interesting how the groups have stayed together throughout this process and obviously now they're all kind of back and mm. but the, the the dynamics are different will a club be ever quite the same who knows a lot of people are leaving i mean 
the thing you said earlier about suspending your membership is interesting and it's obviously very decent of, of you as a business to do that because there are so many membership clubs that survive purely on their subs and maybe don't have cash reserves to do to do otherwise who are now not in any shape to bring people back because they've had to lay people off etc etc so do you do you think that the future is the interesting bit for me and probably for a lot of people listening who who are in or embarking on or, or maybe wanting to get into the you know inverted commas fitness industry do you think the future of of exercise is in groups but more outdoors i know this is a ridiculous question if you live in like Mm. Finland in in December you're not doing this stuff but Mm. it seems to me that year on year and I can remember being involved in a a startup in about 2009 a fitness startup that that was very much boot camp like what was the original one was it called military British military fitness that's it those sort of things and they seem to have just gone from strength to strength and then now you can kind of do one at home if you like and and these people are, uh, who are running them, whether it's Instagram, Zoom, Facebook, etc., are, are earning income from the ad money from, from social media too. So they've got another string to their bow. Do you think that, so back to the original question, do you think the future of exercise is going to look very different to the one you thought? Uh, and not just because of COVID, but because of what people have learned from being in lockdown. Yeah, so you're going to get a wishy-washy answer from me, right? So yes or no. <laughs> it's not an easy question, but the fact, the point um, is it's not necessarily about COVID and thinking there's another pandemic coming. It's what the three months at home have, have shown us all is possible. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, if we try and start up a, a, you know, a remote group training business pre-lockdown, you know, I doubt we would have got 20 members. Right? Yeah. Um, so there's no doubt things have changed, you know. And we've got to think there's probably, I don't know, 100,000 people in the country that now have enough weights and equipment to work out at home that, did, <laughs> that, that didn't have it before. So, true, yeah. you know, and, and yes, uh, yes, that might be not their preference. And yes, people in, in, in small flats can't really do that. But, you know, they kind of sunk cost mentality, right? People think, well, I pay for this, I'm going to use it. I'm sure that'll affect us. You know, you've got, you're going to have Peloton bikes, you know, thousands of Peloton bikes knocking around. Um, that I still think will probably end up as close horses, but hey, that's just my personal view. <laughs> um, uh, but I tell you what, I think there's some timeless elements uh, to fitness, and it's more to do with the nature of accountability, I think. And I, I think you see it across, it's not just fitness, you see it across everything. It's the same in, um, uh, you see in, in my other business, my I, so I'm a, a business coach as well, uh, you know, trying to drive group accountability in leadership teams. That is exactly the same as group accountability in fitness studios, which, by the way, is exactly the same as group an- accountability when I did my degree um, in small tutorial groups, as you do at a couple of universities. You know, there's nothing like reading your essay out in front of three other people right. who are your friends to, mm-hmm. to make sure that you do a damn good job. Sure. And I think it's exactly the same. So group fitness is definitely here to stay purely because it's so effective and cost effective right it's much cheaper than a than a the one on one and is probably more effective so i think that's here to stay the means you do that i'm sure that'll change but i think we just want to stick to our core right team training works so we will we will hit training works we'll just stick to that from the um f45 as a brand point of view um would you say they've weathered the storm uh, as a brand, I mean, you've obviously got your own personal experiences, but as you say, it's a big fitness brand. There are some that have been harder hit than others, and you know we can talk about people like David Lloyd and these you know big traditional names here in the UK that are going to have a very rough time. Do you think that the F forty five brands equipped to to ride through it because of the nature of the business, or do you think they're also? I mean, I mean you can obviously say from your own experience. Yeah, I think. Um... I mean, interesting time as well, because uh, F45 is, the rumour is, and at least I should uh, caveat with that, is that they're about to be, they've just agreed a merger with Carnival. Um, so the future is is a little interesting from the kind of HQ perspective. But I have to say they've done a cracking job at uh, pivoting and producing some great online workouts in a very short space of time. So the advantage of F45 is a very lean, um, you know, they've got very clear principles uh, and they can adapt very quickly. And having a global network and that global scalability, I think, gives them 
an advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, I, I'd be, you, you know, I, some people say that only the strongest businesses will survive through this lockdown. Well, you know, I'm not sure that's true personally. I think probably the ones with the most considerate and flexible landlords will survive. <laughs> and then sadly, that's the truth, right? I've got a hats off to our landlords. They've they've been pretty supportive and flexible so far. But, um, you know, the pockets are only so deep. And we'll have to see what happens in the commercial property sector. Not a nice place to be either. I sympathise yeah. with them. But the fact is that, you know, business models are not going to be the, the, the same and therefore rents will have to adjust. I don't see any way around that. Um would you say that CrossFit's one of your competitor brands? Yeah, good question. We, we, that's a very common question if someone coming to an F45 studio. Are you, are you kind of CrossFit? Right. And like I'd say yes and no. So, um, I, but are they competitor? I would say no, right? I, I think we, we have similar aims. Actually, the original aims of CrossFit are very similar to F45. I think CrossFit's become this more competitive um, you know, fitness concept, which it wasn't really at its root. It was very community driven. And that's where we share. We're, we're both community studios. I actually love CrossFit. I think it's great. It's probably a little more competitive. Um, I like it. But we do different types of movements, right? So they're mm-hmm. much more, you know, it's a lot more Olympic weightlifting. There's a lot more gymnastics, neither of which we do, mm-hmm. right? We, we, we do strength workouts, but we did in a hit concept, in hit, sorry, context. So you know you, you work you do you do more reps you have shorter breaks um, you do slightly lighter weights still build muscle but it's different so we do, you know we get movement between our, our local CrossFit um, people come to us people move back away depending on their own goals I think there's space for us you know um, yeah I like CrossFit uh, you know I think we just we do slightly different things so the reason I ask and obviously we're big on brand um, yeah because of our background CrossFit one of the biggest global fitness brands. Uh, would have taken a hit through COVID anyway. Took another hit when the founder of CrossFit made some very inappropriate comments. They may or may not survive as CrossFit. They've been dropped by their biggest brand association, Reebok, who I think everyone associates with CrossFit and the games. You mentioned competitiveness. You know, they coined the fittest person on earth and all that stuff. They had diversified their business, right? From just a, 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 a brick and mortar business to suddenly people buying t-shirts and watching Netflix documentaries. Again, this diversification, do you think that not just F45, but brands in general, again, something they may have picked up from lockdown is you know what CrossFit did in the past. Can you see more of that? I mean, we spoke a little bit off screen about influencers. Do you feel that you know people like your trainers or people that use your studios can help maybe your business by diversifying a little bit more, whether it's doing their classes online, but or can F45 itself become a big influencer in the fitness space? I'm sure it already is, but can it get even bigger now? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it's a good question. Don't know the answer. Um, but here's a few thoughts. So I think, you know, if you're in CrossFit, I think CrossFit was, it just had, to be honest, I think started to become a very, very broad church. And the broader the church, the harder it is to keep it together. And you'd seen these little groups start to separate, create their own brands within CrossFit. The more and, hardcore and the kind of really yeah, competitive groups and the pros. and Absolutely. And you'd seen, you know, owners owning, you know, multiple 20, 50 plus CrossFit studios with their own particular mentality and ethos uh, not good or bad right but just individual mm-hmm. but arguably quite different from the original CrossFit ethos so I mean yeah I mean controversial certainly things were certainly said but I think it was a probably a tough job to keep it together anyway and I think interestingly I think if you look at kind of Australia and LA which are often considered as the the, the forefront of the fitness industry CrossFit was sort of in the, in the decline in both areas so you do wonder kind of where it was headed anyway. Um, yeah, I guess we'll never know. Um, the, what was the other bit? So whether F45 can become influential, uh, I mean, you know, I, I hope so. But equally, hmm, but I almost kind of think not as well because the I think the, the heart of F45 is in the franchise model and in the fact that it's the ethos and the passion of owners and trainers 
that is the strength of F45. Very, so very decentralized, right? Yes, the technology and the workouts come centrally. That's great. But the entire community experience is, is, is hyper-local. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the strength. I don't think it's really for us. We, you know, I don't think we'd even claim to deliver a novel or innovative um, you know, workout. It's just the way we put it together um, and, and offer it um, and offer the variety with two trainers in every class and create that community. Now, that, that's different and that's the strength of it. So I'm honestly not sure if it's really the goal of F45. Do you, you just said about the hyperlocal, do you, do you feel yourself there's a big difference between your two sites? Oh yeah, absolutely. Honestly, no. I thought. See, this is. I, I thought. I, I thought. I knew it all. I thought. I knew. <laughs> I knew how to, 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 to run a studio, and then you open a new one, and you just realise it's uh, it's the same problems, but with totally different answers. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, code totally different. Vauxhall, uh, as you can imagine, maybe it's sort of young, you know, urban um, scene. People, you know, really wanting to sort of look great. Let's face it. That's that's a key motivator. Um, you know, very large gay community. Um, you know, sort of young, generally young demographic, all office workers. Milton Keynes, you know, totally different average age, at least ten years older. Um, much more, you know, thirty-five to forty-five is more our kind of sweet spot. Um, still, you know, lovely community, really passionate members, but just a very different vibe, right? And even you know, you see it from advertising to marketing to events. You know, they don't necessarily want massive parties and Milton Keynes and, and they respond to Facebook more than they do to Instagram and sure. so you know you have to, you have to tailor and, and there you go that, I think I've answered my own question that the, the strength of F45 is local and adapting to local environments well yeah it's interesting um, if we were in uh, if this were a marketing uh, <laughs> podcast <laughs> which I'm trying to not make it because yeah. we've got another one of Sorry. those no 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 <laughs> but if, if it were um, one might suggest actually that like that locality is why you provide a level of influence and when breaking down the influence in 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 communities if uh, you know there are some i know from obviously living out slightly further outside of london gyms and things become you know they're a little bit tribal two or three different gyms including a crossfit gym mm. whitehorse crossfit is our local one i believe and um you find different people going to different ones and you know one or two trainers who might be slightly better at their social media or or better at putting their name about become kind of reasonably influential people around town i mean and this is about small town here so look from my point of view i'm 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 very interested as are i know quite a lot of our listeners in 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 the future of this business i know and you probably have opinions on this too the people that get into fitness because they seek to be an influencer as it were they they want their gymshark free clothes they want their 20 percent discount from a another protein company and sure you can make a living of it what just getting out of the f45 what what's your take on on that world of fitness because you're at the well i would say the the very practical coalface side of fitness you're you're looking to yeah, you said people want to look good, and that's as you say a big motivator. But your workouts, I doubt many people are filming those because they want to sell a pair of shorts. They're they're, they're filming those because they want to show other people how to work hard, sweat, get your, and feel great. How how do you, on the other side of the fitness industry, view the kind of the made up Instagram airbrushed world? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was it was kind of a shock to me. I hadn't really encountered it that much in my previous business life, and yeah, I, I didn't even know what to think about it. We and I don't know how how plainly I should speak here. <laughs> I guess I'm. I, I mean, or maybe I'll just speak straight. I think I'm, I'm pretty horrified by it. If I'm totally honest, I, I think um, so. We we experimented with influencers, right? I, I could see the with my business hat on. I could see the appeal. Um. But you know, it just didn't work from day one, and may, and and, it, and we tried lots of different people as well. It, it just didn't work. Um, you know, to be honest, they they annoyed our other members, they annoyed our trainers. Uh, it, they just weren't. They just didn't have the passion or the or any sense of wanting to engage in the local community, which didn't. It doesn't really work. So yeah, I mean, so we ended up with really hype, really just getting our own members to do the exact job they, why did we and I just wondered why I even bothered looking elsewhere that was much more effective um, 
And then, yeah, I, I mean, one. Let me tell you one story. So we 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 agreed to run in quite our early days a an influencer event for a uh, a local protein company that's based just around the corner, um, who are actually great guys. Um, you know, they, um, yeah, I'll, I'll give them a plug. Protein World, a nice they're a nice bunch, and and we get on well with them. Um, but so we ran this influencer event and. It was just like nothing I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, we had, you know, 50 odd in inverted commas fitness influencers who, who couldn't get through five minutes of an F45 workout um, and didn't even bother. I mean, literally didn't bother. Um, you know, there wasn't a sweat broken. Uh, it was, um, I know their job is to take photos uh, and whatever, but you could just see there was a very low level of fitness knowledge, um, almost no level of kind of passion for the subject. Um, and, and no, no evidence that you know, I always kind of think you know my army background, right? Lead by example. I, I just think if you if you can't do it yourself, it's it it's pretty ballsy to think that you should be influencing thousands of other people. So, you know what? We don't do any of it anymore. It's just not our thing. Uh, we, yeah, I mean we're just kind of down to earth now, and and we just try and focus on our members, and and that's it. Well, I um, yeah, look, I it's it's an interesting point, and I think the lead by example is. Not just something, you know, as you said, from your army background, but, you know, it's, it's really important because there are some uh, fitness influencers who have tens and thousands, if not more, followers who, who hang on their every word. And whether that's how to perform a certain movement, and by the way, to caveat this, there are many who are very good at the movements too and probably are qualified at various things, and there are plenty that aren't. But in terms of what you might eat, when to eat, people recommending intermittent fasting, all these sorts of things. And it's very easy for, you know, 10 or 20,000 people in one day to take this piece of advice as gospel. Mm, and absolutely. And I think that's that's the scary side of that part of the industry. And frankly, uh, we we know that many people are in it. And, and there's nothing wrong with them doing this because everyone needs to work. But they're in it because they make money from affiliate sales and through uh, ads on YouTube, etc., etc., It's a job. And I'm not surprised you can have the best experience with it. Um, interesting they couldn't manage to get through a workout. No. Uh, that's, that's slightly more shocking. Yeah, it's pretty, it, it, it's pretty horrifying, actually. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's really, you know, just, you just have to, you know, it's the old adage, right? You just be careful what you read online. Um, it's, you know. But do you consider your, you know, do you say to people that you work in the fitness industry, or do you say that you're a business owner in fitness, as it were? Oh. Because the fitness industry, for me at the moment, in my head, is, is is people, you know, showing off their assets. Let's be honest. If you go on YouTube and type "fitness industry," you're going to get Gymshark, Alpha Elite, My Protein, etc., etc., etc. Sponsored inverted commas athletes. I'm a Gymshark athlete. Gymshark's extremely successful, and it's made its entire. Well, I mean, these days not, but its original marketing was, was entirely influencer-based. Yeah. Uh, and that is the fitness industry. But is it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Gymshark's a good example. I mean, I, I think they do, they're an example to do it well, partly because Ben Francis is just passionate about fitness yeah. and, and it just shines through. And I think they do a great job because it's just so genuine. It's a little tricky with the... With the um, yeah, with the kind of supplement industry and the the protein industry. I mean, you know, not to say any of these things are, are you know, entirely right or wrong, but it gets trickier there because it 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 perhaps it's harder to have a passion for protein, right? Or a, so it starts to become a, you know, a, a, a yeah passion for uh, extra vitamin D. I don't know, but it's labelling, right? Because previously, you know, back in the day when we were growing up, let's say. These people were models. They weren't influencers, they were just models. And if a model wore a particular thing or advocated a product, it would take much more to get it. But we'd buy the magazine and see the model wearing very little and, and oh wow, she's good or he's ripped or whatever it is. Of course now you're an influencer because just so many more people see it instantly. Not overall, but instantly. So the influence is, is immediate. I think that's the scary thing for me is that Still, if you can't really do this unless you either got an incredible body, you're very attractive, or, or something else. You know what I mean? So that's and yes, and a lot of people work extremely hard to get these bodies. I'm sure uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, 
but it's just a different side of this industry. You know, people that own gyms, people that are that are legitimate personal trainers who make their hourly fee. For me, that's you know the real health and fitness industry. Yeah, I'd agree. I agree. That's inter- I mean, I never thought of it that, but I guess now I do. I'd say the the kind of influence you're talking about. I mean, they're really in the marketing industry, aren't they? Of course. Um, I wouldn't say they're in the fitness industry at all, but perhaps they are associated, you know, with being in it. But yeah, they're, they're, they're not a handful. Not in my book. No, sure. There's a handful, <laughs> I guess, that transcend. But you know, they started out the people like the Nikki Blackaters and all of that. I mean, they started out yeah. modeling clothes and becoming. Um, a good influence on loads and millions of people, no doubt, a, a very positive influence. Sure, they've transcended that to become, you know, celebrities uh, and YouTube personalities who have to put out content every day. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. and that's the other thing: at what level? I mean, the world. I mean, I'm just looking at uh, this bookshelf in front of us. The world's most foremost expert on, I don't know, China. He's not writing a, a China Post every single day to justify his influence on it. And I think that's the kind of bit where you think: is the quality still there? Can people really know, can they mm. provide something new and thoughtful every day if you have to just pump out the content? But I think we're starting to sort of... No, it's it's a good point. I'm not I'm not convinced you can. But then, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. yeah, frequency is obviously one key aspect. But I guess, over, it'd be interesting, maybe the industry's too new. Over time, yeah. I wonder who, who really, really uh, will be a lasting success. Well, we've seen one mega influencer in the body coach who is again transcended his field many times over he's he and Jamie Oliver have the same sort of formula which is TV show book rinse repeat daily content again many different opinions of the yeah. of the guy but um, one thing you can say is that he's, he's certainly been on everyone's screens for the last couple of months yeah you've got to give him 10 out of 10 for marketing even if, yeah, you, yeah, even if you get him 5 out of 10 for his lunch <laughs> jump technique right but, yeah. but you got to hand it to him and I'm sure he's done a lot of good uh, so like but again that's that's our that's our fitness industry books content but and it, but it's, it's it's interesting because there's very few again you can look at the bookshelf and pick any of those topics uh, it would take a lot more than, than a load of YouTube videos to become a, a true influential person in, in the field of so many things it does seem to be a bit easier in fitness especially if you happen to be an attractive human being but i mean sadly sadly you're right i'm i'm, I'm hoping it dies uh, i think it i think it will i don't think it'll stand the test of time i think we'll get cynical to it we'll get get i think we probably already are to a certain extent do you think that um it's interesting actually think whether it dies or not but do you think people like your milton Keynes members you know are those people scrolling through Instagram for their inspiration, or are they taking it from from people they go to the you know the exercise class with every day? Yeah, there you go. That's it's a good example um, because F F forty five is very big in in not the Milkins is a small community at all, but it's very big in in big and big cities and small communities everywhere, and uh, and it's actually in Australia it's very big in the over sixties, very really? very big. Um, you know, because it's it's just a great way to, you know, carrying lifting weights when you get older is like essential for women, combat osteoporosis, for men, you know, we lose 1% of muscle mass every year after 40. Yeah, it, it's so key to carrying lifting weights and it's such an easy, accessible, injury-free way to do it. Okay, that's enough of my plug for <laughs> F45. But, but I think it's, yeah, it's a really good point that we think this is the, it's very easy and I've done it myself. You, you can get a bit obsessed by needing to have the best Instagram feed. But actually, sometimes at the end of the day, you think actually, does this actually matter one iota? Like perhaps it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, and I think as probably as the more the longer we run with business, the longer I've been in the industry, you know, actually just yeah, you know, old adage like stay in your own lane, right? And just focus on your members, try and just do a good job. Uh, you know, we, most of our new members come from referrals, uh, and that's you know not not from Instagram ads, even though we we do a bit. So yeah. that's. You're right. I might, might even, maybe you've even persuaded me there, right? Just focusing on influencing your own community and that's, that's enough. That well, one thing that, um, that we picked up recently from um, doing the content on the blog and anyone who has an online, you know, a mainly online focused business will know this, is that for every one piece of work, there are 50 different things you could do related to that whether that's publishing a post and then going Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, yeah, Facebook. Yeah. But actually, 
you should concentrate on doing one thing really well and the other stuff will probably follow. And I, there is another podcast I listen to called Fat Stacks. He's a, a guy who makes a lot of money from blogging. And uh, he's always said the one thing, I don't do anything but publish good content. I don't look for backlinks. I don't look for social media. I publish good content and then eventually it finds me because people find it, share it and so on. And, you know, that's not a bad thing to do. And as you say, stay in your own lane. Do yeah. one thing really well rather than trying to do 50 things kind of because you feel you have to. I, I think I think that's it, and it's 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 yeah. Again, with my business sort of coach head on, it's it's very easy advice to give, and it's not not always easy to follow, because there is this you you, see, you feel this pressure to do what other company um, other companies in your sector also do. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, but actually, a correlation with success, you know, I mean, uh, you know, perhaps not a lot. So, uh, totally agree. Yeah, stay in your own lane and focus on just doing the best of whatever you want to do. Okay, so before we wrap things up, we've been going for a little while. Um, what does the future hold for you directly? Are you uh, waiting every day with bated breath for one of our uh, <laughs> voted in leaders to give you some good news? Or are you sort of, put it this way, are you like one of these people that's like throwing the doors open on day one or are you going to wait and see what happens? Yeah, well, yeah, we're just waiting on Boris, right, to give us yeah. the green light. Um, so actually, we've, you know, it, it's 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 not easy, and it's maybe discussed in the hospitality sector. I'd be interested to see if it is. But you know, one big fear of mine, as much as we're desperate to get the studio open, desperate to get our members back in, was effectively being forced to open a loss-making model where you can't cover your variable costs, and then your landlord justifiably also expecting full rent to be paid. You know that's just it's not sustainable so um uh, we haven't you know been in that position i guess that's one you know a possible advantage from not being allowed to open yet so so, so there we go um we're desperate to get open we've got low we've got we've totally redesigned the way we do our workouts in fact we've got three options now to make sure they're as safe as possible um so we are good to go like whether we're allowed 10 15 20 25 30 people in the studio we we will adapt. We're redoing, taking the opportunity to touch up our studio, do all the back office things that we you know probably should have done, and probably time for another discussion. But get all those business, you know, just take a step back from your business, work on your business a little bit, um, take take the time to do that stuff. Yeah, we're we're trying to we're trying to do all that now, and just be ready to serve our members the best we can when we reopen. Cool. Well, we are going to check back in with you in a few months and uh, hopefully there won't have been a second pandemic. Hopefully everyone will be back in the studio <laughs> yeah. and uh, we'll all look at things. One thing we are asking everyone at the moment, and uh, there is a reason for this, but do you have a particular favourite type of dog? Yeah, I do. Very specific, actually. Oh, this is interesting. This is the deep psychology we go through here. <laughs> Is this kind of um, you know owner uh, owner and, and exactly dog, you know, match exactly. Yeah. yeah. So look, I'm a, a bit obsessed by trying to get hold of a Corthel's Griffin puppy. Right? <laughs> and you're going to say what the hell? This is but, the most specific <laughs> answer I think we've had so far. Yeah. yeah. So People I mean, maybe this, this maybe this is an insight into how my brain works. But uh, okay. you know, I'm I'm a former management consultant, and so I like a spreadsheet here and there. But right. Um, so look, I. I you know, I really want a hunting dog. I'm a massive runner, um, you know, ultra distance runner. I, I want a dog that can run 20, 30, 40, 50 miles with me across the Welsh mountains. And right. there actually aren't a ton of breeds that will do that. Like mm -hmm. a Labrador dies after about five. Yeah. Right. Um, it just doesn't work. So that's like one tick. But then also my daughter and slightly me to some extent, we're, we, we are allergic to certain dog breeds. So I have, like, my, I'm, I'm sort of, yeah, I've done a lot of mm -hmm. research into kind of, uh, you know, allergies etc and essentially you need something with um you know low low producing in dander the pro and low yeah. is the, the protein in the dander is what causes the allergy and uh yeah so if you try and you go through hunting breeds that can run a lot that are hypoallergenic you come across basically one <laughs> right uh, other than i mean everything poodle cross could be hypoallergenic sure, yeah, but um yeah, yeah. so if you don't know what it is um a, a corthel's griffin is a wirehead pointer with somehow in its background mixed with a bit of griffin and a bit of poodle. Hmm. Um, so they look a bit like a small wildhead pointer, brilliant swimmers, uh, double-layered coat, um, can run forever, hunting instinct. 
Yeah, it's my favourite dog. Well, it's interesting you say that because actually the the sporting blog dog and the dog in most of my vlogs, Herschel, is a Canaan dog, which is also a very, very specific uh, yeah, breed. of course. And we found the Canaan dog uh, in a very similar way of, of going through the, the various things that you want in, an, in a dog and coming down to about, you know, one or two. So uh, the Canaan dog was found in a very similar way. Uh, that's a story for another time because it... I had to go and get him from Finland, and it was a it was a whole thing. But anyway, Herschel uh, was uh, yeah, it was well, it was exactly the same though. I had a bulldog before, and the bulldog was always ill. So my first starting point went, but when the bulldog died at age two, and I kind of got over that, and then thought, right, let's get a new dog. Was right, what dog doesn't really get ill? So yeah, the first, and then yeah. there's loads knocked out because the the hips, the ears, like a lot of hunting dogs with the ears, the spaniels with the ears, and what. So I went, what's the, what's the Terminator Robocop of dogs? Yeah. And yeah. there's a few of them like Dobermans and all the rest. And eventually you come to a Canaan dog that has existed in the desert for thousands of years, which is essentially why its immune system is so good. Oh. And Herschel's now four and a half and he's been to the vet once, which was for his, for, oh, he's been for his shots. But he's only had one thing when he was a puppy, he had an eye infection. Apart from that, not a singular illness, never sick, never... You know anything, uh. so it worked. <laughs> so, so if you take the owner imitating their yeah. pet analogy here, is this? Do you see yourself as no. some kind of terminator? No, <laughs> <laughs> that's quite the opposite. Yeah. And I'm um. always ill. I, I I had three months of COVID. No, what it was actually the psychology was more about not the uh, physical attributes because I'm certainly nothing like Herschel. It was more actually the personality because I don't know whether the dog picks it up from you or vice versa. But a bit like me, Herschel's fairly comfortable on his own. He'll take as much exercise or he'll be as lazy as. It's kind of extremes. He doesn't like constantly need anything and he's very, you know, pretty stubborn. And he's, you know, I'm not saying I'm intelligent, but he is pretty smart, but only because it benefits his survival. And when we spoke to Imi yesterday, she said it was an Irish terrier because it was a family dog. And mm. But you see people's associations with animals and why. And yours is, is interesting because it's based on your needs. Yep. And that's fine because you shouldn't have an animal, really, I don't believe, unless it can fit in with your lifestyle. Yeah. So totally ridiculous if someone got you a, you know, a border collie that's completely neurotic and won't, it will run with you, but it also want to run everywhere else yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, that's the topic for another day. Um, thank you, Michael, for that. Um, thank you. We're Pleasure. You get on, enjoy your weekend. Um, Anyone who is expecting a guest next week, I think we've got Merrick Hayden from Revolution next week and um, maybe someone else from Women in Sport waiting on that one. But thanks, Mikey, uh, and everyone who's listening. We'll catch up with you next time.